So when I was a lot younger, I actually had an imaginary friend. But looking back, it was not an imaginary friend. It was an entity, a little girl who lived in the house. But one time I was playing peekaboo with her behind the door and I was like, peekaboo, haha, peekaboo. And then on the third time I did peekaboo, it was like a demonic entity showed its face. Okay, Debbie, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? It's good. It's very nice to meet you for the first time. Pleasure. Nice to meet you too. Of course. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it was an interesting time to meet someone for the first time with this type of discussion. Mm -hmm. And I know when we spoke prior, you mentioned, when I did ask you, you know, have you lost anyone in your life? You brought up one specific person, right? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like getting right into it with that specific story that you kind of briefed me on? Sure. Let's get right into Uh, it. Let's get right into it, guys. We're here. (laughs) Yeah. So what, 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 your grandfather? Yes, it was my grandpa. Well, okay. So in Asian culture, um, we were raised to call out elderly's grandma and grandpa, even though they weren't. So my real grandma and grandpa, they actually died in the genocide in Cambodia. So when my parents moved and migrated to Australia, we had an elderly couple who we named grandma and grandpa. So I was very close to both of them. But yeah, it was my grandpa that passed away in my life. Oh, wow. Okay. And you said Cambodia? Oh, no, it was in Australia. Well, I'm saying that's where your your background is Cambodian. Oh, yes, yes. My backgrounds and my family, my mom and dad are from Cambodia. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know anything about that, the history of Cambodia and about the genocide. I visited there in 2016. Oh, nice. And we don't have to get into the whole history of Cambodia, but that was the first time I've ever even heard of it. Yes, there was a huge genocide that happened in Cambodia. Very devastating. Millions of lives were lost. So basically the Pol Pot regime, they um, did a whole genocide and they wanted to like bring Cambodia back to zero. So they murdered pretty much people who were smart, who were in politics, king and queens, people who wore glasses. Just Yeah. So a lot of my dad's side were pretty much murdered and my dad and his sister survived and they weren't even supposed to survive. They survived by accident. And um, half of my mom's side, they survived. And um, yeah, so I didn't even know how, to be honest, it was a miracle that my mom and dad survived because they shouldn't have. But they, what they did was they fleed by foot from Cambodia to Thailand and they seek refugee in Thailand. And that's when Australia accepted them to live there. No way. Crazy story. See, I had no idea the conversation was going to go in this direction. So yeah. That, that, I mentioned earlier a lot and people that listen and often know this, I don't really plan what I'm going to ask. I like to go off the riff. So it's interesting topic to start. Yeah. I'm just curious. Is that something that you feel carries through the way you were raised? Like, is that brought up with your family's history and what they've gone through? Or is that something that's not really discussed? Um, it was definitely discussed when we were younger. Um, I always saw my dad as a very strong father figure who was very protective. But when I was a kid and he'd tell us all about the stories, that was the only time I'd ever see him cry um, because obviously it was very traumatic to him to witness his whole family massacred and murdered right in front of his eyes. So it definitely was different how they raised us compared to some of my friends from school because they were very overprotective with us. Um, We weren't allowed to really go out, go to birthdays, have a social life. They were so overprotective. And I always kind of like never understood why. But now growing up in hindsight, I guess the reason why they were so, you know, strict and controlling was because of everything that they have gone through. Yeah. And and that's the perfect answer. And what I was thinking might go towards that makes sense, I guess, being overprotected. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's a that's a type of grief that starts before you. So it is interesting to see how that changed the way you were raised. 
Is that something that have they ever opened up regarding how they feel about it? I know you mentioned he cried that one time, but has mm-hmm. he ever spoke about death with you in particular? Not really. I think like um, it's hard for them to kind of speak about death, but I think the best way that Asian well, Cambodian parents especially speak about death is more like the afterlife. Mm. So they understand that when um, family members die, they reincarnate and there's like an afterlife that happens. Or they go to heaven and then they come back. That's how they see it. Because um, even when my mom, when she had her um, brother pass away and he was one that survived the genocide. When he passed away, they believed, they didn't know how to grieve his death, to be honest, but they believed that he reincarnated into my younger sister. Oh. I know. That's <laughs> kind of crazy. There were signs. My mom had like a dream. We have, I don't know, me and my family, we have these things where we have weird dreams about um, some of our family members who have passed, which we were speaking about my grandpa before. I had a dream about him passing. But yeah, that he was going to reincarnate into my younger sister. Interesting. Yeah. Wait, this is the dream. Who had that dream? Your my mom, had, mom a had a dream about her okay. brother. Yeah. And, and we, I had a separate dream about my grandpa when he passed. So you, you, everything you just explained, that's, you believe in reincarnation and all that stuff? Yeah. Um, reincarnation is like a strong topic that a lot of Asian elders believe in. I wasn't sure if I believed in that myself. But to be honest, with the experiences that I've had, I've kind of noticed that I've had a lot of paranormal experiences for me not to believe that it isn't true. Like what? Oh, <laughs> where should we begin? <laughs> Literally everything. I want to hear everything. <laughs> um, okay, so I had a story of my, my grandpa. Um, I was very close to my grandpa and grandpa, but like yeah, my grandma and grandpa. But um, when he, he was dying from cancer and he was on his deathbed. And uh, P.S., very traumatic thing to experience, like somebody passing right before your eyes. So traumatic. But when he passed and I was in the hospital there with him when he took his last breath, and that night, um, when I went home, I went to sleep and I had this dream. And my dream was I was walking and I saw this hill, this beautiful hill with a beautiful apple tree. And my grandpa was standing underneath the apple tree. And um, I ran up the hill and I gave him the biggest hug and I started crying. I was asking him, why, why did you have to leave? Why did you have to go? Blah, blah, blah. And he hugged me and then he, he like kind of, caressed my head and he spoke to me and he said I had to go but I'll always be here to look after you to protect you so no matter what nothing will ever happen to you and then I woke up yeah I woke up bawling my lights were on and then I just realized oh my god that was just not a normal dream but it was really weird because ever since then this is so weird like I would feel his presence being around. And when I missed him, I would just think about him. And there was this one song that he would he would sing, which is, have you heard um, Awful One? Because I swear by the uh, moon. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to sing it, but yeah. Yeah, you know that song? <laughs> it's beautiful, yeah. That was his favorite song. So he would sing it every time he was drunk. <laughs> he would get drunk a lot. He was an alcoholic. <laughs> okay. So he would sing that song. And um, it's so weird. When I miss him sometimes, I'd be like, oh my God, I miss him so much. Out of nowhere, it would like play on the radio. And then I realized, oh my God, is that him? Anyway, weird. Yeah. And then I'd be like, oh, another time I'd be like, oh yeah, I miss him again. And that song would come on again. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is like so weird. So weird. Anyway, another story. Fast forward a few years later, my friend who's a clairvoyant, she does cards and tarot cards. P.S. I didn't used to believe in them, but now I do since there's too much coincidences. I got my fortune told once and they told me that 
you know, they told me I was going to move overseas and become an actor and that all came true. And I'm like, okay, I believe that now. Right. <laughs> anyway, she, she told me, she was like, um, you have a guardian angel looking over you. And I'm like, what? I do. And then she's like, yeah, it's an older man. And then she's like, have you had anybody in your life that passed? I was like, let me think. And I was thinking, wait, mm, I mean, I have my grandpa. And she's like, yeah, he's looking over you. He's like your guardian angel now. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, no way. Um, I was just get. I was kind of a little bit of an atheist before. So I never kind of believed in God and angels or the universe or anything like that. And I didn't believe her. I'm just thinking, nah, no way, no way, whatever. And then I was just sitting down. I was just thinking about it. And I was just thinking, this is just so weird. I was like, you know what, universe, show me a sign. Grandpa, if you are now my guardian angel, show me a sign. I'm showering the next day and I'm listening to Spotify, a, a, a list that I made, by the way, all the songs that I put down, out of nowhere, that song comes on. Uh, okay, how many, were there a lot of songs on there? Yeah. Like immediately, I kind of felt no, like... No, I was just listening, listening to my other songs and out of nowhere, then that song comes on later. And then like, I'm in, I'm in the shower and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm like, this this is this is crazy. Um, it's, it, this can't be a coincidence. This is a playlist that I made. Why would that song play out of nowhere? And ever since then, I believe that he has is now my guardian angel. Is that, is that com- how comforting is that? Very comforting. I think when I need help, sometimes I guess I talk to him and I pray for him, and I feel comfort knowing that he's there. Yeah. So earlier you said you kind of were an atheist before that, and then you know your your cultural background primarily believes in reincarnation, mm-hmm. right? So there's a little bit of a conflict there. A huge conflict because um, my parents, okay, so my mom grew up Jehovah Witness. My dad grew up a Catholic. They, I grew up a Jehovah Witness. They converted to Buddhism when I was in high school. They forced me to convert to Buddhism, but I was just like, no, this is not for me. And I became an atheist myself. Did anything happen that made you think there was no God? Yeah. Not that um, this is a religious podcast, but it all comes back to death, guys. So mm-hmm. bear with me. Yeah. But was there anything that caused that? Because that's a big shift. Yeah. I was just in a really dark place um, mentally, emotionally, and um, just like a lot of bad things happening that I just, I lost my faith. I didn't believe in God. So I became an atheist. Probably one of my most darkest times. It was around the time that my, also my grandpa passed away too. Yeah. So all these occurrences in regards to the dream and then your mm-hmm. friend met, making that message, is that was a, a transitionary point? There was a transition, yeah, point because after that, I found spirituality and that kind of turned my life around. And then after finding, finding spirituality, then I started to find faith. And then I was starting to find my faith around the time where my friend told me about him being my angel because I didn't believe in angels back then. I just still didn't believe in God back then. But now I believe in God. There's too many miracles for me not to believe in God. So what's your what's your opinion on, so back with the, the reincarnation that we know we come back in a different form. And then if you have these moments of some kind of communication, how does that, how does that work? Maybe I just, like, how does that work if, it can't be both, right? Like if you, if you reincarnate, obviously you're not gonna be able to communicate. So if he's communicating, then he hasn't reincarnated. Mm-hmm. I have this theory because I, I questioned that too, to be honest. And my theory is I don't think it's just black and white. I think it could be, imagine like parallel universes and that upon that, upon that. Imagine if the soul is everything, is God and the universe. It's being in heaven and also being here with us and being an angel and having a presence of a life form. What if? <sighs> So like a multiverse theory. <laughs> multiverse. Yeah. That's how I see it. And that's how I believe that he could be at heaven, be with me at the same time, but probably also be reincarnated. That's, I literally just, that's the theory that I 
Yeah, no, I love. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I partially don't even know what the hell I believe. I just I'm kind of yeah. open to all ideas. That's why I like to explore it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, when so when we have when I have these conversations on here, I've you always, especially in the comment section, you know, you, it's just the internet, and you always see people that are just they believe what they believe, and that's fine. They're so yeah. they're so sure that something that they don't believe in is like there's no way that whatever it is, they like that no way. That's that's not that's not possible. So they have their beliefs. Mm-hmm. So with your beliefs right now, with the afterlife in particular. Mm-hmm. Do you have any doubts or are you this, I, I you like, in your own inner whatever you feel like this is, I really believe this is what happens. I would say I don't a hundred percent believe for sure 80%, but like in terms of my doubts, um, yeah, I think like I need proof in my life to kind of see a bit more to be 100% on board. I've seen, some, I've had some really crazy experiences, but yeah, for now, it's just a theory. I, mean, I think it's all, everything's a theory, so I'm with you on that. Yeah. Especially the dreams, because, you know, that those are things that can easily be dismissed. You somebody like, okay, it was a dream. Like, so what? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you were thinking of something prior, it's just your brain working that out because it was on your mind. Mm-hmm. But when you go through those experiences, I, I haven't had something like that. I've I mentioned this earlier. I had dreams with my dad, and I mm-hmm. feel like I try very hard to communicate with him. Uh-huh. And I believe it's possible, but then again, when it doesn't happen, I'm like, maybe I'm just, maybe it's just not possible at all. But I've had, I've never had a dream like the one you said. I feel like all the dreams that I have, my, it's not my dad. It's, it feels like he's someone else, like someone else in his body, and doesn't feel like his personality, doesn't feel like his warmth, which is kind of disturbing to me. Could in be many somebody ways. else, you think? I don't know if it's someone else or it's just literally just a dream in my figment of my imagination. I feel like I've still been waiting for a dream like that, what you've had. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't happened really in 20 whatever years. But I guess where I was going with that is the experience that you feel, like mm-hmm. you mentioned prior that when you had that dream, it didn't feel like a dream. It felt different. It felt real. It felt real. And it felt, um, have you ever experienced lucid dreaming? Yes. Once or twice. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to get, oh, I'm gonna get in my uh, Indian style position. Oh, good. Okay. I'm... A lucid dreamer. Constantly? For the most part, I would say not constantly. When when I'm more grounded, I'm better at it. But when I'm kind of busy, not getting enough sleep, not eating right, not meditating, mm. I tend to not be able to control my dreams. But yeah, um, so that come kind of plays into a factor too. So um, for example, if I'm going to be, if I plan to lucid dream when I go to sleep, and just say, for example, if I miss my grandpa and if I want to see him, I will set the intention. Mm. And most likely, he would come. However, um, this is how I believe he reincarnated. There was a point where I stopped seeing him in my dreams. So when I see him, I don't see him as a figure anymore. I see him as an energy, mm. as a feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I would visit him, I would actually go to his house, his old house where my grandma and grandpa used to live. And then that's where I would see him all the time. And then one day, he just disappeared. And I never saw him again. But every time I go to visit him, I know that he's there and I'll spend time with him. But I don't see him, if that makes sense. So that's when I feel like, oh, he probably reincarnated. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So this is this is all these are all after you had that one dream, right? Yes. After that, I had continuous dreams about him. And um, there was one scary dream in particular <laughs> where he, when I was visiting him at his house, and he's like, hey, I want you to come live with me. And I was like, no, I don't want to go. I'm scared. And he... This is really freaky. There was a bathroom and it had a door and the door in there was like really dark. And he's like, no, come live with me. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to go. I'm scared. I think it was like a few days later, I got into a really bad car accident and a truck hit my um, door head on. I had to go to the ambulance and I got a concussion. And then 
what had happened was when I spoke to my grandma, she was like, I was having the same dreams as you. What? Yeah. <laughs> she was like, I think he wants you to come live with him in the afterlife. So my mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, they all got, oh, sorry, not grandpa, um, aunties and uncles, they got freaked out. They brought like the monks over to the house to get us blessed. So I, you know, to get me protected just in case. <laughs> so is your grandpa trying to kill you? What, did, what does that no, mean? No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you know? I, I think like they were saying that because he loved me so much. He just always wanted to be with me. Mm. I have no idea to be honest. But when I think about it, it's pretty freaky. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> freaky. Especially if my, my dad was trying to bring me with him. Like, you better make it quick. <laughs> what? Uh, so so how, does that, how does that affect your idea of death while we're here? In a sense that... You know, you mentioned your grandfather was your grandpa was, you know, one of the one of the most major quote unquote loss of your life mm -hmm. or is the most major loss in your life. So yeah. I don't know why I threw air quotes there. And <laughs> like how does that does that make you think at all? Do you think about that prominently or, is, or not really of losing people in this in this earthly realm? And if it does if you do ever consider it, are you comforted by it? Like are you less fearful of the grief process or the process of losing someone because you feel because you have these beliefs that you know you're still connected to these people? I think, yeah, the beliefs definitely help. Um, I think in terms of why we pass over, I think that's like our purpose. We have a purpose of like um, living our life. And then when we cross over, I think we kind of like evolve into the other, the other realm, heaven, universe, whatever you call it. And then transition into maybe becoming even angels, guiding angels or like, you know, people, yeah. ancestors who look over you as well as other things. I think, it, yeah, to me, in my mind, I just see it as like an evolution of an unnecessary thing that happens with our soul. And it gives me huge comfort knowing that because, um, yeah, I do believe that it's not just him, but I have like my other ancestors, aunties and uncles who died in the genocide who are my angels, not just him. Because again, the dreams, I had dreams that I, that I met my ancestors and they were beautiful. They were all shining white lights and they were all looking after me. And I think just, yeah, just... Seeing the images gives me like huge comfort that I'll be okay when I cross over because that eventually I will be the guardian angel looking after whoever. My, yeah. I kind of hope we have that task because the idea of eternity freaks me out. The idea of just eternity mm -hmm. forever. Like, what the hell are we doing forever? <laughs> Maybe it won't even matter because it's so blissful or what. Mm -hmm. But I guess if you have little tasks to look over people, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a comforting thought. Maybe. I just think that maybe on the other side, it's not going to be as hard as living on earth right now. Doesn't that make you think, why, what the hell, why are we trying to survive so much? I have no idea. <laughs> it's so much better on the other side. It may be. <laughs> like, That's what, what I think. Yeah, what the hell are we doing? Yeah. You know, it, I think it's an interesting conversation with someone like you that hasn't, you know, you've been blessed to not have too much loss in your life, right? I say I'm very lucky. He's my only loss that I've ever had. But the people around me have experienced like a lot of loss. Um, friends who've lost their partners or sisters, brothers, like I... Lock on wood. I'm very lucky. Yeah, no, that's a perfect transition because yeah. I was thinking, what is your experience with, you don't have to drop names or any specifics, mm -hmm. but what is your experience with other people that have lost? Like what approach have you taken from that side of the coin of of being there for someone? Because there's so many, I feel like it's a challenging approach when someone dies. It's like hard to, yeah. how do I, what am I, by their side? Do they call them all the time? Do I give them space? You know, I don't know if there's a right way to do it, but I'm curious as to what you think your approach is. Yeah, Um. I've definitely, for example, I had a friend who lost her mother and uh, she didn't know how to cope. So she actually resorted to drugs to cope, which is so sad and heartbreaking. Um, but with me, um, how I coped, I actually didn't know how to process the grief myself at the time. I actually turned to food. Oh, that's a great answer. <laughs> that was my go 
I just remember one time <laughs> I was on a date and we both ordered a T-bone steak and fries and I finished my meal and he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened to me. I don't think anyone's ever ate food before me, but it's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, and he was looking at my dish and he was like, wow, you finished the whole thing. <laughs> I felt so bad. I put on so much weight and um, my boss was like, oh my God, you look four months pregnant. Jeez, <laughs> oh, okay. But um, yeah, that was the one thing that I turned to that kind of gave me comfort, which was food. Mm. And I was just doing the best that I could at the time. I think like how I was raised, I was very blessed and luckily, lucky not to turn to substance or not to turn to anything dangerous. And I think this because of my parents and how they raised me. But um, after that, I learned better ways to grieve and better ways to cope. And it was, this was through self-work, self-development, self-help, books, being a part of like my friends who are community, who were my emotional support, mental support, having them to help me, you know, in terms of um, navigate through life and my emotions. Yeah. Mm. What were some of those methods? For example, uh, one of the methods was I had a book club. A what club? <laughs> a book club. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, me and two of my girlfriends, we started like kind of like a healing book club where we chose a book each and then we would implement not only read but implement some of the things that we learn in life about grieving and how to cope or you know how to talk things out when we need to and things like that I think that helped me a lot yeah I feel like I mean everything works different for everyone so I'm always curious to hear how someone else did it because maybe it'll apply to someone going through it right now that hasn't tried that maybe I think so important to just have like a support network that is so important if you don't have your, your family make sure you have friends or make sure you have a community because the thing is, sometimes when you're healing and you're grieving, you can't do it alone. You need the energy of other people. You need the love. You need, you know what I mean, the support. Yeah. Yeah, I was lucky to have that. Mm-hmm. Then it makes me think about people that just don't have that. Yeah, you that's, know what I mean? Some yeah. people just don't have family, don't, don't have those connections, and then they're on their own. Yeah, I think the people who are on their own, it's important to definitely mm-hmm. reach out. Like there's even like um, Zoom therapy, like better health, you know, people that are professionally trained who can talk to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or even podcasts like this, it's so beneficial to just even maybe listen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, I always mention it's hard to relate exactly with people, but there are little points where you can relate. Like your story, for example, you know, there might be someone that just relates entirely to everything you just said. Mm -hmm. And there might be someone that might relate on a smaller aspect. And I think that's why these conversations and you sharing your story and being in that chair is so important because Mm -hmm. someone's going to connect on whether the dreams or mm-hmm. are you reading a book? And I think that's important to put out there that there are options. Lots know? of options. I don't think it's this black and white. I think it's just everybody has their own journey, have their own way of just like doing things, experiencing things and even like learning things. So yeah, some people have like, you know, this is like all or nothing, but I think it's just such a gray area. It could be anything. All or, what do you mean all or nothing? Like, um, you know how like people have their belief systems and it's just like they believe in God and then they don't believe anything else, you know what I mean? Or they believe in just the devil, nothing else. I think it's just like everything exists. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it goes back to those people that are just so certain that Mm. this didn't happen. Like some people are going to doubt your dreams. Like it was literally just a dream. You're probably thinking about them and that's it. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter. I'm I'm fine with those people not believing in something, whatever. Just believe whatever the hell you believe. Mm Mm-hmm. But to just kind of push something down that's giving someone else peace. And faith. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. regardless, it, like, let's just say for take the devil's advocate, it, mm-hmm. it's not real. Like the dream they mm-hmm. had wasn't. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, to me, it's like it felt different to you. It mm-hmm. felt real to you. It gave mm-hmm. you meaning for the positive. Yes, then yes. Then who the hell cares? That's it. That's enough. It's real, mm-hmm. it's real enough in that case. Yeah, absolutely. I actually do have a few friends who don't believe in like dreams and they have told me, oh, it's probably just a dream. But 
I, I don't mind because what I experienced is, what I experienced was real to me. And, you know, I, I validate myself in my own way with my dream. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to explain it to anybody else. Does anyone get hostile when they're not hostile? Like, they're going to beat the shit out of you. But <laughs> does anyone get at you and you have like deeper kind of debate, like healthy debates yeah, about that? Yeah, we do. I have some friends who are obviously skeptical about dreams and it's just like, oh, it's just a dream. You're just like your brain's way of making sense of what happened. But if you think about it, like if your brain made a dream to make sense of that, that's pretty powerful in itself. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's real enough, right? Real enough, that's yeah. That's literally real enough. Yeah. So, and I feel like all these stories that I hear, I, I just had a, a conversation with someone this morning about their near-death experience. Mm-hmm. And those are up, you know, up for a pretty big debate about yeah. what's what. And that's just your brain hallucinating or this, that, and the other. But yeah. she had a similar experience where it seemed like a dream state, yeah. a very lengthy dream state. Yeah. But it felt, she's like, it felt different. It felt different. I feel like in life in general, whether it's a dream or grief or whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever shit you're going through, sometimes you just don't know until you experience things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, it's, I, I try to keep open mind by listening to stories like yours. Like, oh, yeah. wow, okay. Yeah. And try to pull meaning from that for my benefit, selfish yeah. benefit and growth. But oftentimes people need to go through their own shit and experience it themselves. And I feel like some of the biggest doubters may not be, can easily transition once they experience like, oh shit. Okay. Now I know what they're talking about. And until yeah. then, you're not going to be able to convince someone. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of the people who are the biggest doubters are the one that's not open to wanting to experience the bigger dreams. Do you know what I mean? Because they're closed off to opinions, that closed off to life. It translates to closing off to other things as well. Yeah, elaborate on that because I've heard that and I feel like sometimes that's me. Like I'm, it's weird because I don't feel like I'm closed off mm-hmm. because I, I like to, I'm very, very open-minded, especially especially when it comes to this stuff, mm-hmm. spirituality, whatever the hell you want to say. Mm-hmm. But then, I, then I'm like, but I, some some of these things haven't really happened to me. Certain things, I guess, in a small aspect, if I really had to try to think about it, but nothing like that that you experienced. And I'm like, am I closed off? Like, how do you define closed off? Um, I will say maybe do a little bit of an experiment. Maybe mm, like... Yeah, give me one. Okay. <laughs> if you want to speak to your dad in your dreams, I would say definitely work on the muscle of lucid dreaming. Do, is there a technique you use with lucid dreaming or do you just do it sometimes unintentionally? It's happened completely sporadically. And I, I've had a history of very, very, very visual dreams that I remember, very sensor, sensory-like dreams that I that felt really real yeah, and that I knew at the time weren't, was a dream. Yeah. So I've gotten to certain points, um, but never, I can't intentionally do okay. it. I've tried for a little bit. But. Okay. So um, let's just try this. Just a little experiment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. okay. So... Watch a clip on how to lucid dream on YouTube, one. The second thing is uh, play an audio, which is a lucid dream track on the background before, very lightly before you go to sleep. Before you go to sleep, set an intention. Get a lapis lazuli crystal. A what? Lapis lazuli crystal. I'm gonna have to... It's like an ancient Egypt crystal. Okay. It's like blue. It's also from Afghanistan. Put that under your pillow. It will help with the lucid dreaming and definitely be open th- to the experience. And before you set the intention, I'll also maybe kind of direct where or who you want to talk to in the dream as well and see how you go. Just see how you go. And then let me know. <laughs> <laughs> because I did okay. <laughs> ask my cousin to do this and she did have a lucid dream about the person who she wanted to dream about. <laughs> so I think we already, you know, kind of, covered what your you know what your beliefs are i just mm-hmm. wonder how much of that is when you when you intentionally do it, i think like there's a difference of maybe i'm wrong just spitballing i'm mm-hmm. not saying i believe in either thing mm-hmm. 
But I feel like sometimes when you do set that intention, I wonder how much of that is your subconscious mind kind of working things out and how much of it is a real experience. And it goes back to whatever real enough is real enough. But I wonder too, I guess like when you have that dream, as long as it gives you kind of like the peace and comfort and if it was able to resolve something and then you're able to move forward with peace, then maybe, why not? You know, That's enough. Yeah, I think it's enough. I definitely had like um, arguments and disagreements like with friends who I needed to resolve and I resolved in my dreams. I did that. Yeah. Like you, resol- uh, you resolved your side of the... Of the Both. Con- they were resolved too? Mm-hmm. After the dream? Mm-hmm. Well, after my dream, like I made my peace, let go of whatever argument that it was and just like send it to the light. I'm very spiritual. So yeah, this is hocus pocusy, but <laughs> yeah. So after you had that dream, you confronted them or you just literally felt like you let it go and then that was it? Um, so I had like, um, me and my friend had, a, we kind of like parted ways, someone who was very close to me. And you know how friendship, when you lose a friend, it's like a relationship breakup. It's very devastating and causes physical pain because obviously you're grieving again, a friendship. So I obviously want to lose a dream that night, set the intention of me want to resolve what it is with my friend. So I had a dream. So this is my dream. I met up with my friend and um, oh, I'm just trying to remember. She says something like, um, my work here is done or some, something like that. And I was like, okay. And I don't remember what happened after that, but I was able to let go and I made my peace and she made her peace and we're no longer friends, but I think like the karma is done. Whatever it is, has been resolved and I don't carry any ill will or anything like that. It's been forgiven, if that makes sense. The thought for me of working that stuff out in dreams, I feel like, to me is just letting your subconscious mind kind of just figure it out. Like you said, even if it is a dream or even if it's some, you know, energetic connection or transmuting or whatever, however you want to call it. I don't, the, the power of your subconscious mind is, is, you know, controls so much of our life. And I feel yeah. like if you trust it to kind of, your body will work it out on its own. So I feel like during sleep is a great time to put it in there and let the operating system kind of work itself out. Yeah, I, uh, I would agree with that. I mean, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Have you, you know? Oh, yeah, him? big fan. Yeah. She was trying to get him on the show, but that's another thing. <laughs> I love his books. Um, but obviously, he talks about, you know, being the gamma wave, the theta wave frequencies before and after sleep and all that stuff. So, you know, how we're all connected. But um, yeah, but how you explained it, I would agree. I don't know how, like, it could be me working it out in my subconscious in my dream. It could be something meaning, mm-hmm. more deeper meaning than that. But either way, I have resolved and it works for me. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the, I forget which is which, the theta or the beta, but we're, we are mm-hmm. in a lower frequency. I think at one, while you're falling asleep and while you're asleep and the moment you're like, you're waking up, so you're more susceptible to what's around you and pulling information in and out, I believe. Mm-hmm. Which my understanding is kids from the age of like zero to seven are whatever that, I don't know if it's beta or theta. I don't, wanna, I don't know which one it is. Mm-hmm. One of those frequencies a child is in that frequent that lower vibration until a certain age yeah. so they're more susceptible to things which yeah. going off on a little rant here but yeah. that's why I feel like you see or I've been told you a lot of children have those kind of paranormal experiences yes more often than not seeing a dead relative or whatever it may be and it seems freaky and you can dismiss it at the moment mm-hmm. but it has something to do with the fact they are in those lower vibrations which makes them more susceptible or some yeah. some kind of communicative level yeah. I think Am I, 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 I'm not butchering I agree that. I believe that um because the child in the pure, they're in their purest forms, um, and because they're of a different vibrational frequency than us, um, they. Uh, I do believe in like the third eye and stuff like that being open. And also, when I was younger, I saw paranormal things too. So I've, so? Ex- I've experienced it. Should we get into that? <laughs> do you want to? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm down for anything right now. Yeah, you can talk about whatever you want. Yeah, I did use to. No. 
a lot. I saw them often, ghosts, when I was them? a kid. Yeah, lots. There's lots. They're, they're everywhere. Give me your give me your best shot. What do you got? Um, so when I was, um, a lot younger, I actually had an imaginary friend, but looking back, it was not an imaginary friend. It was an mm. entity, Okay. a little girl who lived in the house and, uh, she would be everywhere around the house and I would play with her and we will like play hide and seek and all that stuff. And, um, I knew that she was there. My family knew that she was there too, because like things would happen around the house. It's like, okay, we're playing this game. And then like things would like, you know, fall off the table. Oh. Like that. Yeah. And then, um, one time. I stopped wanting to play with her because something scary happened. Because sometimes I'd hear her sing and all that stuff. That was fine. But one time... <laughs> Is I was, that fine? I'd I was, singing right now. I'd what I was used to, yeah. like hearing things, seeing things drop, seeing the entities. I was used to that. But one time I was playing peekaboo with her behind the door. And I was like, peekaboo, haha, peekaboo. And then on the third go, the third time I did peekaboo... Like, oh my God, it was so freaky. I remember the face. It was like a demonic entity showed oh. its face. Wait, so, okay, one, wait, one second. Yeah. So before the demonic face showed up, were you visually seeing this? Yeah. Like, was she look like transparent or was just, it was like a person She's a little was bit there? transparent, but I've saw other into, like beings that weren't transparent, that looked real, like real life humans before. And sometimes they're shadows. Okay, so what happened with the demonic shit? That's yeah, so when weird. I did that and I saw the demonic like face entity with teeth and scary hair. What's got, going on there? Yeah, I got so freaked out. And I was like, I don't want to see her anymore. So every time I saw her, I would ignore her. I I just think that because I was younger and I was seeing entities and spirits, I, I think my auric field was kind of open to other beings and mm. that being showed itself. So it's kind of like a portal for them to I access so. a human? I think so, yeah. Oh, man. That's so freaky, I know. I, what do you even do with that? Like, say, let's say, you know, let's just say for a matter of fact, that is 100% what it is. Mm-hmm. What is that? What's the purpose? Like, I don't know. What is the hypothetical purpose of an entity or a, a spirit? Are they in limbo? That I have no knowledge of. So I do not know why they are around or why they exist. But definitely when I was an atheist, I had like a very dark entity follow me around for sure. But now that I believe in God and like, you know, my grandpa and, you know, being my angels and stuff like that, then they're not around anymore. And it's so weird. Like, I don't have these paranormal experiences anymore. But when I was okay. a kid, I had a lot of them. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Do you think that's something that you've maybe not closed off or just kind of moved on from those experiences and you're less open to it? Or it's just the way of the world or whatever the hell that is? I think that when we are born, some of us have gifts. Mm-hmm. And I think when I was younger, I had a gift, a clairvoyant gift. Because yeah. I used to see them, I used to hear them. And when I was younger, my lucid, I was very good lucid dreaming ever since I was a kid. Yeah, I think that that was my gift as a kid. It was a gift that I didn't want. <laughs> okay. So I close it off and I don't want to see any dead people anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, a little girl singing freaks me out enough. Like yeah. in movies, let alone actually saying that. I still have a little bit of a gift though. I can go to anybody's house and I can feel the energy. If it's good energy, bad energy, and I can tell them which room. And most of the time I'm right. Should we do this right now? <laughs> is, it, is it bad? I can tell that you're very, this place is very, has a cleansing energy. Okay. Yeah. Do How, what does that mean? Cleansing. Do you guys use sage here or anything? Um, or like oils? I don't. I've used sage here before in the past, but I don't I have. No. I mean, I guess I have uh, the dispenser going off, but I don't think that's the same oil you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It has a very calming energy here. And th- just this room? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to have you walk in the living room. Oh, okay. <laughs> now we have to do that right now. Yeah. Interesting. So mm. how do you how do you define if you're right? That's the thing. I don't know. Like, um, I guess 
every time I've gone to my friend's house and they're just like, hey, can you check this room or that room? I'll be like, yeah, this this room is a bit weird. And then my my friend will be like, oh my God, that's when my grandpa passed away. He would always just stand here. Oh, I'm like, okay, cool. So my okay, other friend, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to that because I was always, always, always right. right. And I'll be like, okay, um, hey, babe, I don't like the the your house because it gives me like a really weird free, freaky feeling. My friend would go to like a clairvoyant and then she'd be like, yeah, the house is actually... Um, the clairvoyant said the same thing about the house. So there was kind of like a lot of correlations to what I was saying versus what was happening. And I turned out to be right. Yeah. I mean, I'm open to being wrong, but most of the time I'm just right. <laughs> okay. And I'm a, I'm a, I'll take the cleansing. That seems positive, I think. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't say anything bad. Otherwise, I have to edit that part out. <laughs> yeah. um, are you scared of dying? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Big question. I, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm worth it right now. Yeah. Um. No, I'm not afraid of dying. I used to be when I was younger, but now I think that dying is probably an experience to be had in this life. And I know if anything was to happen to me tomorrow, I hundred percent live my life to the fullest. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that something that you said you used to be scared of? And was all these experiences compiled that just changed your mind? Yeah, pretty much. I used to be scared because. I was afraid of what was on the other side. Mm. But I kind of had this really big psychedelic experience. Nice, been there, okay. Yeah. And um, crossed over to this place and lost complete consciousness. And I felt like I experienced maybe a little bit of it. Was it DMT? I don't know. You didn't even know you did? Oh, (laughs) sorry. I mean, I had... (laughs) It was mushroom experience. Got it, great. But like, yeah, shrooms and... I lost consciousness, lost everything. Have you experienced that where you just like... Not that deep, no. The closest I think I've gotten was when I did DMT, which is another hallucinogen, but... Oh, okay. I've heard of that. But yeah, I had that experience. And when I was on the other side, where nothing existed, not even my mind, my thoughts, nothing existed. So what were you? Just energy? Yeah. Like no, no tangible body or yeah, anything? Yeah, no tangible thoughts. Where were you? Nothing. Exactly. Where was I? So oh, that's why I think, I think that's the other side. I, I could be wrong. That, okay, so if you were on the other side, hmm. what's going on? What's, what, do we, what do we do there? What's going on? If we're not a body, we're just, we're just chilling, floating around, thinking. Are we thinking? Were you conscious? No. You weren't conscious when you said that. Unconscious, no thinking, no thoughts, no body, no mind, nothing. <sighs> and it was so peaceful over there. But you felt great. There's no thoughts to feel great. Right. You, you were just oh, there. Not in a bad way. It's just that the idea of nothing. Like, I think about what happens after that. The idea of nothingness freaks me out. But I guess, once again, it goes back to, but if there's nothingness, you won't even know. So yeah. it won't even matter. But that yeah. freaks me out thinking because we're conscious now. We have this thought. Yeah. I know I'm here. I feel this. I'm clapping. Yeah. <laughs> but after that, it's like that just drives me down a weird black hole. It it kind of felt like it. It was peaceful, but something more than peaceful. More, more than words can describe was peaceful. It just felt like you were the universe, mm. uh, if that makes sense. It makes sense. It looked like the universe, though. It looked like when you look in the galaxies and there was just stars. It looked like a bit like that. Did it feel? You remember the old screensaver on your computers that was like traveling through space? No. No? Which, you have that in Australia? Which? <laughs> like, like in the, uh, on the computers, they have, it's just like a screensaver where it pops on after a certain amount of time and it's oh, just and sp- space, like you're, it's like you're flying through space. No? No, I, I do remember a little thing going like that. No, uh, okay, I don't know. Yeah, well, anyway, <laughs> maybe it's American. I don't know. Maybe it's not going to make <laughs> sense for the conversation, but I feel like that's how I envision it of like, if I could just in, traveling through space in some weird way. Maybe. Because I feel like I was there one time in oh, a really? whole other experience. On your DMT experience? Yeah, and the DMT mm-hmm. thing. It was, this was after. I feel like I got reactivated when I was in a, cell, a sensory deprivation tank, an isolation mm. tank, and then I kind of got back to that place. Mm-hmm. But there was a, in the moment when I tried that DMT, and I mentioned this before on the podcast, 
it felt as if there was, after through some paranoia and fear, not understanding what was happening to me, there was a place of kind of euphoria and peace as if everything was answered, even though I didn't ask any questions. It was like a temporary idle spot where I didn't feel tangible. I was just, I feel like I was just floating, but I was still conscious, mm-hmm. but it did feel like, oh my God, everything's going to be okay. So I, I can't say I was on the other side or maybe it kind of felt like I was. It felt mm-hmm. like it was the transitionary period mm-hmm. from after I died to the next place, but mm-hmm. it felt like everything was okay. I think, have you heard of something called an ego death? Yes. Yeah, I think that might've been an ego death. I hope, that'd be great. If so, I still struggle with some things. I'm like, I don't know if it's completely, it might be making a comeback. I think like with the ego death, um, it happens for us to shed the first outer layer of consciousness. But when we come back in our human form, we still need to experience life. It's going to be a roller coaster like this. It doesn't, all of a sudden we're conscious. We need to go through life. It's going to be ups and downs and we need to continue that. I don't think we just have one ego death. I think we have maybe a few more, maybe some have one, maybe some have a few. It's just different. How do you define an ego death? I think ego death is just the loss of the body, the mind. What you you know how you're trying to fight against that? I yes. think that trying to fight against the ego, whatever it is, just the physical form to just get over and shed the outer layers of your skin to come back to what you originally are, which is pure consciousness. Oh man. Yeah, that really messes with me. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know. It makes me I guess it, it is comforting. I, I like to believe in that. I think there's something after this. I don't know if it's everything we just discussed or whatever the hell it is, but mm-hmm. I feel like everything that I hear, not everything, I've heard some different theories, but most of the theories that from your experience seem positive. And, it, and the experience I had like, the conversation before this about the near death, it was very tumultuous. And she was talking about visiting like hell and wow. heaven and this and that. Mm-hmm. But the, the overarching theme at the end and the message she was getting, regardless of your beliefs, was be kind, compassionate and this or that. So as long as there's a positive result from these experiences, whatever Mm -hmm. they are, then that's enough. Like we just said, right? I think so too. If you can just find your shift in perspective and um, find what works for you and just go through life positively and making an impact, then why not? You know what I mean? Yes. It's hard for some people when they've had so much loss or so much tragedy or chaos or just unfair outcomes in their life, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, their control or not. Mm -hmm. It drives people to a dark place of saying, you know, fuck all this, X, yeah. Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And I, had, I don't even know what you say to people that, that don't have these beliefs because of that. It's like, I guess when you first started saying you didn't believe in God, but then yeah. you, you had you had some experience that changed your mind for yeah. the positive. Yes. So until someone has an experience like that, I don't know how you get through to people to, to get out of it. Um, Sometimes like something as simple as just the act of prayer, praying for these people mm-hmm. is enough. Like you sending energy to them kind of? Sometimes. Sometimes I pray for the people who I don't even know around the world doing mm-hmm. my part. You know what I mean? Even if they don't, you know, even if I don't know who they are or they don't know who I am, I do believe that our thoughts carry energy, mm-hmm. you know, and has an impact. Because when you think about everything that's in this room, all this came from a thought, right? Right. Everything. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, thoughts, energy. Yeah, so... Yeah, obviously we know how powerful our mind can be. So for those people, yeah, to be honest, I don't have the answer, but all I know is sometimes I pray for them. I I love that. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Uh, And I want to go back real quick to your, the way your parents, you know, they they survived, you know, some tragic times Mm -hmm. and then that kind of replayed their way of nurturing towards you and being protective due to that. And it seems like you've had a different, maybe similar, maybe not different. You've had your own experiences that, you know, made you less fearful of death. So have any of their ways of being overprotective 
stuck on you or do you feel like you've kind of like I don't think that's not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing mm-hmm. but obviously the overprotective can be can get pushed too much maybe mm-hmm. but is that method shed on you or do you feel like you have a different way of nurturing because of now your experiences with comforting on the other side and stuff does that make sense mm-hmm. I think I have a more different but yet empathic way of nurturing. I think that the method on me just did not work because when I went into the real world, I (laughs) basically experienced a lot of bad things because I wasn't street smart because I was so overprotected. So I had to really learn what it is to be on my own, to kind of live life, to know what danger looks like, you know, things like that Mm -hmm. and learn life skills. So that didn't work for me. But at the end of the day, um, I still am grateful that they raised me the way they did because they really just did the best, you know, with what they knew and the resources that they had at that time. Right. But now, yeah, in terms of how I have my relationship with my friends or even how, like, I raise my dog, for instance. <laughs> I'm not going to be strict <laughs> on him. I have more of a kind of like gentle parenting approach to him or, you know, with every relationship that I have in my life pretty much. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I haven't. And when I say this, everyone take it with, as always, take literally everything I say with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But going, like, if I lost a sibling, God forbid, or if I lost a partner or a child, which I don't have, but so I can't relate to anyone that lost a child. I feel like there is a, you know, it makes sense to have someone that lost a child or a partner mm-hmm. hang on tighter to the people around you that you have. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's a, there's a double-edged sword there where obviously you want to appreciate and be grateful for who you still have. Yeah. But I think it can have a negative effect if you latch on too much and have that attachment and be overprotective because then you're not going to allow your kid or someone ex- have their own experiences and, you know, fall on their ass to get back up. Yeah. You know? I think that the reason why that happens is because they haven't 100% healed because yeah. they're still holding on to that. I think once you're healed, they'll be able to let go and have like um, a comfort knowing that things will be okay. But I think like it's kind of hard because obviously my parents like old school generation is like having to articulate that to them is kind of like harder. Mm. But I guess I interact with them in forgiveness and caring and nurturing in the way that I can. But yeah, I know what you mean because my sister, she lost two kids. Yeah. Yeah. Two uh, babies that were full term. And she was doing what you were saying, actually, being protective and just like, you know, um, she hadn't really... I, I guess she hadn't really like healed from it yet. There's like, when you go to her house, she has like a whole shrine of the baby's photos and everything and candles and... Yeah. So, yeah, I can't imagine. No, mm-hmm. I literally can't imagine. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I try to refrain from saying that because, mm-hmm. you know, puts the other person in a weird place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird thing to say, but I say, yeah. I say, I catch myself saying that all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think sometimes, we, like I said earlier, we just need to experience things. And we can, I, I like these conversations because you can learn through others. I really believe you can really learn through others' experience. I think mm-hmm. that takes a certain discipline to, make that connection mm-hmm. and really let it hit you. But mm-hmm. oftentimes we just need to go through our own shit, unfortunately. And that's how we're going to figure it out. Because a big premise of this these conversations is I, I don't want people to wait for tragedy to mm-hmm. wake up a little bit and, you know, shift your perspective mm-hmm. or be grateful for someone you had in your life. Mm-hmm. And I hope some of these conversations cause that. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I hate to say it, but it takes, you know, getting punched in the face sometimes to make those realizations. And I just hope these conversations can kind of avoid waiting for a punch in the face. Yeah, I think absolutely it will. Yeah, life kind of has a gnarly way of teaching you lessons sometimes, but um, podcasts like these are so important, you know. gives people like, um, a pre- you know, it basically sharing my story, 
it's kind of a little bit voodoo weird, but (laughs) but like I hope it, you know, helps somebody out there. Yeah, well, I'm sure it will. And uh, on that note, I want to thank you for being here. And uh, unless you just said it, do you have any official last words? Uh, no, um, thank you for having me on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll plug everything in in case you have anything coming up or want me to, do you have anything coming up that you want to, you want to let the world know or anything exciting in your life, even if it's just a cupcake? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, perfect. I'm, I'm going to have to uh, try your methods out of the lucid dreaming. Oh yeah. Anyway, Tell me how you go. I will. I will. Uh, yeah. I'm going to test it out and see if I have any luck here. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know. Papa Dukes over there will drop some kind of knowledge on me because I feel like I need it right now. But that's uh, that's that's all me. I think he's always with you. I appreciate it. Yeah, maybe he's the one cleansing cleansing the shit out of my place. <laughs> I hope we haven't <laughs> yeah. checked out the living room. But anyway, guys, uh, <laughs> Debbie, thank you so much for being here, uh, and thank you everyone for listening. Until next time, another episode of Dead Talks. Ciao.